Warning, some things in our podcast may not be suitable for everyone. We talk about cults and murders, and due to the nature of our podcast, may use harsh language at times. Viewer's discretion is advised. And also, we can't pronounce anything. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Cults and Crime. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie. And I'm your other host, Nicole. So we hope you guys are doing really good. I'm doing great because most of my finals are over. Yes, thank goodness, because it was really annoying hearing about it. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I'm waiting to hear back on one paper, and that paper will decide whether I have an A, a B, or a C in that class, because that paper is weighted so heavily. Okay, guys, so we're going to talk to you about Providence today. So Providence went by a few different names, but the founder was Jung Mong Seok. He was born in 1945 in a village in South Korea. The village name was and I'm going to butcher this, I just know it, Sumakri, but is also known as Wumeing Donga. Jung grew up in poverty and was a third of seven children. He was a member of the Unification Church when he was a teenager. That's right, guys. He was a Mooney. Jung eventually left the Unification Church to start his own church in 1980. Jung founded the Achen Church, as the church moved to different regions, it took on other names, such as the Bright Moon Church and the Morning Star Church and the Jesus Morning Star Church in Japan and Providence Church in the U.S. and Europe. The official name of the church is the Christian Gospel Mission, but it's best well known as Providence. So I don't know how much you guys remember about the Unification Church because we did cover it in an episode. So if you're curious, go back and watch that. I'm going to be comparing the two churches quite a lot in this episode. So if you guys don't want to go rewatch the episode, the Unification Church was most well known for its mass marriage ceremonies, sexual misconduct, and tax fraud that eventually led to the group's fall from grace. I remember the ceremonies because I remember the hand thing. <laughs> oh, oh, that was a later part of the ceremonies. So it used to be um, Sung Young Moon would just look at pictures of people and be like, they look good together. But when his wife took over the church, she had them put their hands like they were praying, and then whatever hand was on top, you had to go across the room and find someone else who had a hand that was on top like that. And apparently that meant you guys were supposed to be together. Since Jung was originally a member of the Unification Church, it's no surprise he took a lot of his teachings directly from them. Most noticeably, he took his 30-lesson Bible course, and these lessons are very similar to the Unification Church's divine principles. Most noticeably was the obsession with purity. When the Unification Church first started, the path of purification was to have sex with the leader, Sung Young Moon, but eventually it adapted to be part of the blessed couple. So if you were part of a blessed couple, you would be purified by having sex in a very specific manner directed by Sung Young Moon. Wait, did he watch? No, he didn't watch. He just said, like, so it was over a three-day course, and it would be like, the woman has to be on top this time, the man has to be on top this time. So he just told you how you had to have sex in order to be purified after you got married. So you had to be part of the, like one of his chosen couples in order for this to work. But he just told you the positions you had to have sex in. So Jung, just like Moon, directed the path to purity and sinlessness, and he also said this through sex. Females are taught that they are brides of God and must save their virginity for him. Since Jung was the second messiah, he was basically God on earth. This meant that many women were required to have sex with Jung in order to purify themselves to enter heaven. 
Both religions believe that women needed to get rid of their original sin created by Eve and that cast humanity out of the Garden of Eden. They believe that this sin has been passed down from Eve to all of humanity. Female members of the church were instructed on how to keep themselves in order to be presentable. This included grooming and dieting tips. The group was almost 80%, like 60 to 80% female, and they actively tried to recruit attractive young women from malls and colleges. The funniest thing is, they would be invited to come to the prom for promises of modeling careers or just Bible studies, and that's mostly how the cult tricked people into becoming part of them. After they were drawn in, they would be told to listen to Jung's teaching at certain times, and they called this spiritual hour, and they told members that God wouldn't listen to them unless they prayed during this specific time. This spiritual hour was around 4 a.m. in the morning for Americans, many of whom were young college females. Sabrina Smith was one of these followers. She was a sophomore at the University of Texas. She was sold to keep up at 4 a.m. spiritual hour a secret. If she didn't, then she would go to hell. She was encouraged to write personal notes to Jung and was even offered a trip to Japan as long as she didn't tell her parents. Did you say how old she was? She was a college student. She was a college sophomore. I don't know how old she was. Okay, so she was in college. I guess I was thinking like still living at home, like very young child. Australian Peter Daly reported activity other um, Australian Peter Daly reported other activities by the cult. He witnessed large groups of women hanging around Jung's brother. He stated that these women looked like supermodels and followed his brother around like an entourage. He also videotaped women dancing around naked, chanting their love for Jung, licking pictures of him, and placing those photographs near their crotch. He stated that the group seemed to only be in place to satisfy Jung's sexual appeal as a serial rapist. In her interview with Daily Mail, an Australian woman named Elizabeth spoke more at length about what it was like to be a part of the cult. She said, We had to wake up at 3 a.m. every day to pray, because they said that brought us closer to God. It's a mind control technique. When you're deprived of sleep, you can't think critically. They encouraged us to write letters to him like he was our lover. He wrote sexually explicit replies saying things like, Your white skin arouses me, or your vagina looks pretty. Elizabeth was only able to leave the group after she had been hospitalized for an eating disorder, directly caused by the cults. Want to hear the most messed up part of all that? No, but yes. Elizabeth was part of the cult after Jung went to prison. And was even flown to prison to see him where he blew her kisses through jail bars. Oh my god, that's crazy. Absolutely wild. Uh, you want to guess what he's in jail for? Is it sleeping with an underage girl? Partially, but is mostly he was mostly convicted for rape. Oh in both god. civil and criminal courses. He's, he was actually convicted of rape for both civil and criminal courts in multiple cases. This was after the SEAL broadcasting system aired an expose on Jung on March 20th, 1999. They talked to over a hundred victims for this expose and it resulted in many sexual allegations being brought against Jung. They followed up with another episode where they talked about his overseas activities. They included several women being kidnapped and repeatedly sexually assaulted by Jung. They also shed light on Jung's health checks. Want to guess what the health check is? Um, is it having something to do with the woman's weight and the way that they're groomed? Oh, you wish. He would summon up to 10 women a day 
tests to him where he would perform health checks on them. During this time, he would have sexual encounters with them in order to wipe away their sins. After the woman would be threatened with eternal damnation if they told anyone. Even women who were seeking medical help were not immune to his advances. On April 2006, four women wearing hats and medical masks went on television to talk about how he had sexually assaulted them and others while they were seeking medical attention. Oh my god, that's absolutely horrible. Now this guy was a complete monster. So, John called the woman he was grooming Evergreens, and according to the ex-members, there are somewhere between 500 and 1,000 women being groomed at any given time. That's right, 500 to 1,000. That's, that, that's, that is a lot of people. And another thing, many of people are going to say this is familiar because, um, so another thing that's going to be kind of familiar to you guys is how he handled the evergreens. Like Mixum, he had women in charge of the program. Why would he do that? Women feel safe with other women. And he took advantage of that, you know? Think about it. If you, it's dark and a woman comes up to you and said, asks for your help, you're more likely to go and help her because if a man walks up to you at night. Because you think a woman knows what it's like that she would never do this to me. Well, yeah, so I there definitely was... feel, yeah, I would definitely feel safer with a woman. So there was 10 women in charge of the educa- education program for the women of the Evergreen. The main part of the education was the, that salvation was through sex with Jung. A former head of the group, Seol Branch, stated that many of the Evergreen women committed suicide or eventually were hospitalized. The worst part is that he was selecting these women when he was still in prison. So he would be brought photos and profiles of these women, and he would choose who was good enough to join his group. Jamie, do you happen to know like what he wanted in his victims? young and pretty he wanted like college age or younger sometimes and they just had to be pretty he just wanted pretty women to be around him and be you know his little slaves he just wanted these poor like women who before their lives even got started he they wanted he wanted to ruin it he wanted to ruin their lives before their lives could even get started so this is kind of like an ego thing right he wants these pretty girls around because it makes him feel good. It makes him feel like he's like some Rico Suave guy that can get all these pretty women where in all actuality, it's torture. He's tortured these women into wanting to be around him. Yeah, and it's... A lot of it's just manipulation. Like, these women don't actually want him. They want to go to... They want to go to heaven. And, you know, through time and not letting them eat, and not letting them sleep. He has tricked them into thinking the way to do that is through him. We see this a lot with a lot of these groups, where this douchebag guy comes up with an idea that's not even his, because Reverend Sung Young Moon did something very, like, was very similar to this. But even he wasn't the one who first made up the rules of the church. He got it from someone else, too. He just was the one who had the most success with it. So, like, I wonder what who was, like, the original cult leader? <laughs> Sorry, I know a little off topic. But who came up with all this? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For the next episode. Um, he was a pastor in South Korea 
during the time when Sung Young Moon was very young. I don't know his exact name or the name of his church off the top of my head. But if anyone has any questions about that, it's kind of interesting, but there's not a ton of information because it was so long ago. And it was in South Korea during a time of... It was in South Korea during a time of turmoil, so there's not very good records. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it was during the time where the Japanese imperialism was and Japanese imperialism was happening in South Korea. I think they'd just gotten their freedom when all the when he first started his group. So wanna hear something that's gonna make you just sick to your stomach? No. So what's really gonna get your um what's really gonna get your hair on edge was to this day, he has several websites where he proclaims his innocence. Wait, he's still alive? He's still trying to say he's innocent? Is he out of prison? He was only in prison for six years. And how many people did he rape? Hundreds. Okay, justice system. Now is the time to step it the fuck up. I know, I'm not super comfortable. I don't know a lot about the how the courts work in South Korea. So I really can't say much about why that happened the way it did. Unfortunately, I tried to look up some stuff, but like it just wasn't easy because it's South Korean. And most stuff, if you like type in court systems in South Korea is in Korean. Yeah, I understand. Um, I I don't know. I guess I kind of assume like it's South Korea. Like they're kind of known to be very strict, correct? Mm, I believe so. Yeah. So you think that they would have stricter laws than us in the United States, but this seems like like some United States motherfucking bullshit. Thing is, he did the he he um the thing is he was responsible for this in several different countries, so that might have been something to do with it as well. So I know at some part, some ta- at some point, the Taiwanese governments charged him with sexual assault, but then he left the country, and then he was wanted by Interpol. And he stayed in Hong Kong in, like, July 2003, but he overstayed his visa. And then he had to pay, like, a million-dollar bail. And then he got extradited back to Korea. Uh, Mostly what happened was these um, civil civil suits. So in um, 2003... Yeah, in 2003, a Korean woman and a Japanese woman filed a criminal suit against him for raping them. So... In America, if you want to personally charge someone with rape, that would be a civil suit. But according to the website that I saw, it was a, a criminal suit. But they were awarded um, $52,000 and $100,000 for damages for rape. Which is, once again, kind of weird because it was a criminal suit. So then he was on run for like eight years after that. And then the Beijing... Like, the Chinese police caught him in 2007. And then he was on the, um, let's see if I can pronounce this, Leong Province High People's Court. And they extradited him back to Korea, where he he stood on charges in February 2008. And that was, um, and then that case was heard by the Seoul Central District Court. So it was a lot of, um, like, you know, a lot of back and forth between different court systems. But like I said, in the end, he was only in prison for six years. Which is definitely not enough. But on February 2008, in February um, 2009, the Seoul High District Court added four years to the, di- to the district court sentence of six years. So that's something. 
He appealed his 10-year sentence, though. But it was upheld, so he had to do 10 years. Thank God. A little bit more justice than six, but still not yeah. enough. So one of the sexually assaulted women filed another civil lawsuit against Zhang in the verdict in 2009. The Seoul Western, Seoul Western District Court ruled that the plaintiff's right to bodily integrity was violated and she suffered psychological pain as a result of sexual violence of defendant. The defendant is obligated to com compensate the plaintiff for her pain. And I found the price of how much she had to pay, but it is not in American dollars. So let me try to do some quick math. And I want to say it's around $50,000. Yeah, that looks about right. 50, I want to, guys, I'm going to lock in at $50,000. Which is quite a bit for a rape case, but, you know, he was a pastor who had quite a lot of money. Because, you know, obviously they were giving him money for this. But I was going to read something from his website because it like, I read, like, this is the first thing I read. This is the first, when I looked up this case, this is the first website I went to. Okay. So according to his website, from 1999, the media made accusations of sexual misconduct against Zhang Mongsiok. Nevertheless, for 10 years, accusers could not produce any evidence to support their accusations. But mainstream media published those accusations without fact-checking. According to recent investigation reports, those allegations originated from a few people who sought to defame him, motivated by personal interest and greed. In 2007, the Chinese police held him for prison for 10 months to investigate the allegation in detail. The result was that the allegation lacked substance, so the police acquitted him of all charges. Thus, the Chinese authorities agreed to extradite him back to Korea. In 2009, Meng Jong-seok was tried in South Korea and convicted to a 10-year sentence. There was a sort of evidence to support this accusation. The decision was made under much public pressure fueled by negative media attention. The judge decided to align with that pressure. While in prison, Meng Jung-shiok continued to testify to people about God, sexually assault women. He writes sermons and proverbs every day, as well as poems, letters, and songs, and sexually assaults women. Additionally, he prays every day to people of faith, all nations, national securities, politicians, and the economy, the media, the arts, and culture, and justices in the world. Oh, and sexually assaults women. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. This guy is an asshole. We hate him. So the website this absolute garbage is found on is jmsprovidence.com slash jungmyongseok. Yes, there we is, um <laughs> quite a lot on the website about how he was framed and how they never apologized to him and lists all of the injustices against him but i don't care because he raped women he just sounds like a narcissistic asshole well yeah no he's a person who did horrible things because he's a serial rapist and has followers that are willing to lie for him like which is exactly what he huh. is a serial rapist he's nothing more than a pedophile and a serial rapist yeah because he was doing this to underage girls like that girl was a sophomore in college so she was probably maybe 18 hopefully but then again he told her not to tell her parents so she's probably not 18 yet but you know the sexual um 
The age of consent in Korea is a lot lower than the age of consent in America. Let me know. Let me check what that is, actually, because I know it's different in Japan. Okay. Oh, and Mercedes again. Okay, go. So the age of consent in South Korea is 20 years old, and I highly doubt a college sophomore was 20 years old. So he was statutory raping people, but and I can't say this enough. That's so weird that their age of consent is 20 years old. But like, good for them. Wow, that that 20 years really. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe it when I when I read that too because I was pissed. I'm like, oh, he sexually he raped kids, he raped children. He is sexually assaulting minors. And then I'm like, what is the age of consent? I need to know. And it's like 20 years old. I'm like, okay. But still, like, hey, that's the age of consent in your country. You know that. And he's literally going to other countries to find women under the age. So, pedophile. You're a pedophile. I don't care. 100%. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. You guys are just getting a lot of, like, me raging at certain people. Like, I feel like the last three episodes I've done was just me yelling at the mic about how much I hate these certain guys. But, you know, when it comes to rape, it's... You know, it's an infuriating thing, and it should be something that upsets you. You know, people don't get nearly as upset as they should be about this. I I agree. I agree strongly. If you guys also get horribly angry about people doing horrible, crazy shit, I'm assuming that's why you guys love true crime. Because it, you get this feeling of people getting what they deserve. And this guy, well, he didn't exactly get what he deserved because he should have been in jail for the rest of his life. But he was in jail for 10 years and he paid, you know, quite a lot of money in restitution to some of his victims. So hopefully he will live a sad, horrible life and we'll never talk about him again. Sounds but good to me, Jamie. Okay, guys, that's the end of this week's episode. Nicole, do you have anything you need to talk about? Um, No. <laughs> Just come follow us on our Instagram at Colton Crime Pod and go ahead and give us a five star review on Apple Podcast or anywhere you can, really. It all just helps us get the word out. Yeah. And if you guys love this episode, email us, DM us. We'd love to hear from you. If you hated this episode, like also email us also email us and dm us because we hated it too if you guys if i got anything wrong and you guys want me to clarify email me i want to tell jamie the right pronunciation of all these names actually actually don't tell me the pronunciation of these names Uh, okay um i hope i mispronounced his name the entire time just disrespecting him the whole way (laughs) yep i hope i put disrespect on this man's name But without further ado, guys, we are out. We will see you next week for an exciting crime episode. Yes, we will. And we're so excited. Okay, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye.